The Nashville Predators are prepared to host the 2023 NHL Entry Draft. The St. Louis Blues have three first-round picks, and the Vancouver Canucks are looking to rebuild after moving on from Oliver ekman Larson. All that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. And you can also now hear us on the Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search for Locked On NHL. It is great to have Ann Kimmel of Locked On Predators with us and a big week ahead for the Preds. They are hosting the NHL draft later this week. And uh, how is the buzz around the city for this big event? I will tell you this. Nashville loves to throw a party and Nashville really loves to throw a hockey party. So the Predators, of course, hosted the 2017 Stanley Cup Finals, which was a huge party in Nashville. They had the stadium series last season. And so this is a a town that loves their hockey. So there is a tremendous amount of buzz around the city with the draft coming in, the awards show going to be here. It's also the 25th anniversary of the Predators franchise. So we're looking at a week of events and hockey partying, and this city is really ready for it. For it. Well, it's, it sounds very exciting. What are some of the events that, you know, people will have to do outside of the draft itself? Yeah, so there are going to be all sorts of things going on all week long here in Nashville. The Predators are going to have at one point some alumni available for autographs, which will be huge here in Nashville. Of course, it's Music City, so Nashville can't throw a party without some great concerts. There are going to be concerts all week long outside Bridgestone Arena. They're going to have the Hockey History Museum is going to be here as well. We're going to have the young prospects are going to be holding a youth uh, camp with some of the young hockey players here in Nashville. And here's my personal favorite one, Gil. The Nashville Humane Society is hosting an event with puppies for the draft at a dog park downtown near Bridgestone. So I am definitely going to be hitting up that party as well. I love it. I love it. Now, as as far as the draft itself is concerned, what do you see the Predators looking to do in the first round? Yeah, this is such an interesting draft for the Predators. They're coming in with 13 draft picks. So we have a lot, a lot to do and a lot of options available. I really think the Predators are probably going to stick with their picks. I don't necessarily see them trading up, but I think what they're going to be looking for in the first round of the draft, they're going to be looking for some really offensive minded players, unless they can grab one of those top two defensemen. And I'm thinking maybe Axel Sandin Palika might be somebody, if he's available at 15, the Predators could be interested in. But in general, the Predators are looking to become more offensively minded. They're looking to become a little bit faster. They're looking for some players who have some great shooting ability. So with those first two picks in the first round, I think that's where the Predators are going to look to shop. 
Should be interesting to see what happens. But change already coming to the Predators on Saturday. A trade announced. Ryan Johansson headed to the Avalanche in exchange for Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, Predators retaining 50% of the $8 million cap hit on this deal. Your thoughts about the trade and what it says about the direction this team is headed? Yeah, this trade is really much more about the direction the Predators are headed than it is necessarily about Ryan Johansson as a player. Uh, Ryan Johansson has been with the Predators here for eight years, but he really was sort of strapped with a contract that no matter what he did, he couldn't live up to. So it was an eight million our eight-year, $65 million contract in 2017. He was going to be that premier first-line center, and it didn't necessarily materialize. And so that contract has been one of these unmovables for the Nashville Predators, and that's really sort of affected the way people have felt about Johansson's play. This is a great move for the team looking forward. Yes, they retain 50% of his salary, but that frees up $4 million for the next two seasons for the Predators to do some things with. Ryan Johansson going to Colorado, I think for him, I think he's going to land in a good spot. I think Colorado is going to find some real value from him in the faceoff circle, in playmaking with some of their offensive players as well. But for the Predators, this is a move that just reinforces Barry Trotz and new head coach Andrew Burnett are looking to move in a new direction. They're looking to get younger. They're looking to get faster. And where, if anywhere, does Galchenyuk fit in? That's a great question. It will likely depend on what happens in the trade or in the draft. And also if the Predators decide to make any trades or if there is maybe some under the radar UFA that they're going to bring in. You know, he only played 11 games last season. I'm not real sure that the Nashville Predators are going to be super hot to sign him July 1st. So let's wait and see what happens between now and then. With the Nashville Predators, really anything is on the table. So I think this is a day-by-day thing when it look when you're talking about what is his future with the franchise. Now, we know Barry Trotz taking over as GM, but that happens on July 1st officially. So who's running this draft and what is the overall offseason plan here for the Predators? This has been such an interesting transition to watch as David Poyle is kind of the outgoing GM, Barry Trotz coming in to take over the reins. But what we've seen here in Nashville is that these two have worked together on so many things. And this started all the way back at the trade deadline. David Poyle didn't make moves that Barry Trotz wasn't involved in. Barry Trotz has not had conversations about moves that David Poyle hasn't been a part of. And I think it helps that these two have had such a longstanding working relationship. And I think it's worked really well behind the scenes as they transition. So when it comes to draft night, who is calling the shots? Both of them. I think David Poyle, even though it's his last week as the general manager, is certainly going to have input. And I think Barry Trotz really respects what David Poyle has to say in his thoughts. But I think the two of them together have really mapped out a path forward. I will say Barry Trotz, I think, is sort of taking the lead. David Poyle seems to be doing a good job of saying, this is your team. What direction are you going in? Here's some feedback. But I think this is going to be a group effort at the draft before July 1st when David Poyle finds something to do with retirement. (laughs) 
So what is the plan uh, for this team? What direction do they want to head in between now and when training camp opens? Yeah, it's going to be a very different looking Nashville Predators team. Andrew Brunette is the new head coach, and he's really focused on this team becoming a more offensively offensively minded team. You know, over the past couple of seasons, this team is known for playing, you know, some defense. You see Soros is the one winning games. They're not scoring a ton of goals last season. That's something that they want to change. So you're looking at some younger players with more offensive punch, having a really good shot at making this roster. We're talking about players like Luke Evangelista. We're talking about Cody Glass, who could step up and become a main playmaker for this team. Potentially, the Predators could see last year's first round draft pick, Joachim Kamel, make the roster. This is a real offensive minded young man. I think the Predators loved what they saw from him in Milwaukee's postseason. So we're looking at a team that's going to get younger, going to get faster and going to look to score more goals. All right. And why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find you on social media and where they could find the podcast? You can find me on Twitter at Ann K underscore Mama on Ice. You can follow Locked on Predators online at LO underscore Predators. And of course, we're available on any of your favorite podcasting platforms and we're on YouTube. All right. And always a pleasure. Thanks so much and enjoy the draft. Thanks. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Well, it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Busy time around the National Hockey League, and the St. Louis Blues are no exception. Multiple picks in the first round this year as they seek to bounce back and get back into a playoff position. And it's my pleasure to welcome to the show the host of Locked On Blues, Haley Simon. And Haley, how are the Blues approaching the draft this year with these multiple picks early? Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. And this year, the St. Louis Blues, it's a really interesting situation. Having the 10th overall, the 25th, and the 29th gives them a lot of leverage in this draft. Now, What's going on right now is all of the trades and the rumors of the trades, I should say. So the St. Louis Blues and Doug Armstrong are smart that they're going to be utilizing some of the later first round picks that they have. So right now, I think the strategy is this. Keep the 10th overall. You're not going to be able to trade up anything higher than that at this point. In my opinion, I don't believe that will happen. And maybe get a guy that's a solid uh, center or winger with one of the other picks, but definitely do not give up both the 25th and the 29th. And do you think they could package the two later picks to move up again or to get a player? What What do you think is the strategy? Do they use the two picks later in the, in the first round? I want them to. 
I want them to use the picks. I think that this draft class is a draft class like no other. It's one where any of these guys that go in the first round and even maybe 90% of the second round could be really good players for the franchises. Um, it's unless they get multiple guys and they give up both of the picks for a package deal, not just one player, that would be fine with me. But in all honesty, I wanted to see them use all of their draft picks in the first round. How do you view the goaltending situation now in St. Louis? Obviously, uh, Bennington had some interesting moments over the course of the last season. Is he going to be back as the starter? And if not, what is the plan? He will 100% be the starter. Binner is awesome. This season last season was a fluky season. He had no defensive coverage, but I do believe that he is a key part of the St. Louis Blues and the foundation behind this team. They have a great pop prospect in Hoffer, but I said this all along. The Blues really need to get a veteran third stringer. So a guy maybe a little bit older, a guy that you can get for a little less money than some of the other guys that are available. But they definitely need that. But Bennington, uh, he's one of the best for a reason. As far as you, you talked about support in front of him, is is there a plan to bring in some defensemen this offseason to try to give him a little bit more support? I would think so. Um, with the draft, there's a couple defensemen as an axle, one of the guys I like a lot. Free agency isn't good this year. It's um, not anything worth even looking at. So maybe some trades. That's why there's rumors about the Blues even going after um, Travis Sanheim, who was on the Flyers, which could be helpful. But it will be interesting to see what they do with their 10th overall pick because it's either going to be you're going to get a guy like Zach Benson, who is absolutely amazing, or you're going to get Axel, who is going to change up the defense. So what would you say are the biggest needs that this team needs to address between now and the start of training camp in September? Yeah, so one thing is definitely finding a solid, solid center this offseason. I think that that would help a lot with the team and the structure around it. Goaltending, I'm not worried about it. That's not something that's even on my radar at the moment. And then obviously the defense. But it's also the team and how they're responding to Baruby, which was a little bit concerning this season. It just didn't seem like they had any spark or energy to turn things around. So before trading camp, I would like to see, you know, the guys acting more like a team. And by doing so, that means bringing on people that can be leaders to the team. What was it about the way they responded to Craig Berube and how can he go about improving, you know, the chemistry between himself and some of the players? Yeah, I think it all goes back to that 2019 uh, year when they won the cup and about how all the, you know, he was tough on the guys, but they responded well to that. I don't want to say that he was acting too lackadaisical, but I don't think it was strong enough in a sense. So I think that if he just gets back to the way that it was, where it was, you know, be tough on these guys, push them as they should be pushed, I think that they will respond better. But I think with hockey players in general and just covering the NHL and, you know, around the NHL, the tougher a coach is, the more the players respect that coach and respond. So the moment you get a little too comfortable is the moment that they're not going to respond. Yeah, interesting. So uh, uh, what is the biggest thing that this team needs to get back to the playoffs? And is this team rebuilding or are they retooling at this point? 
Yeah, so this team is retooling. We don't need to rebuild. We have our foundations. Now that's to say if some of the guys don't get traded, then I might be a little concerned. But right now, this current moment, we are retooling. To get back to the playoffs, it's really, it's a few things. It's about just having solid defense, and that's the number one thing. Offense, it will be there. We have guys that can score, and I'm not worried about it. But if we get a couple more guys on D and we just get that momentum going again, we will be a playoff contending team. All right, that that does make sense. Is there any players on the current roster that you think are candidates to be traded away before the season starts? Yes. Um, well, it's only if they want to be traded away because we all know Tory with his uh, no trade clause, and uh, he's. it doesn't seem like he's going to give that up. But he's definitely one of them. I am hearing some things about Jake Neighbors, which I'm not happy about. Um, so he is somebody that has a value, but other than that, it wouldn't surprise me if any of them went, but who knows right now? It's like the whole team. Everyone's like this player, this player. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> we need to relax. It's not going to be big into him no matter what, but that's the only guy that I can say is safe. So everyone else is a possibility. Yes. Well, it certainly makes for interesting times in St. Louis. No question about that. Haley, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find you on social media and where they could find the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter at Haley T. Simon. And then if you guys want to follow what you should, Locked on Blues, it's at Locked on Blues. And as well as YouTube, if you just search in Locked on Blues. All right, Haley, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure talking to you today. Thank you. It is great to bring back to the show the host of Locked on Canucks, Trevor Beggs and Trevor, we're early in the offseason still, and it's already been eventful in Vancouver. Let's start with the big buyout of about a week ago, Oliver ekman Larson. That's a lot of years to buy out. Were you surprised by this move? You know what, Gil? I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but I think I might have been one of the only uh, Canucks reporters here who was not surprised by the buyout. <laughs> I, I didn't really see much of another avenue for the Canucks. You know, I've I've kind of detested the idea of trading, you know, a Besser, Garland, a Beauvillier for pennies on the dollar just because you need to get rid of cap space. You know, it's like that idea of trading Besser in the 11th for a, a late first, like what had been floated around. I think for Ekman Larson, he just wasn't providing any value to this team anymore. You know, a uh, quick shout out to the athletic and, and Dom Lucision's player model. Oliver Ekman Larson's value last season was negative $500,000. That's pretty hard to do. He was one of the worst defensemen in hockey. Every time I was covering a game live, you know, he was so slow. He's getting beat to pucks. And it's it's a sad situation. His body's let him down. But I think this is the only really, uh, the only road the Canucks could go down. Um, I mean, it's a surprise in the sense that it is the most expensive ordinary buyout in NHL history. So, you know, it took some, uh, it took some brass cojones to pull this one off. But uh, at the end of the day, I think it needed to be done. And what, well, first of all, what went wrong? I mean, you say his body sort of let him down, but did, was he never a good fit in the Canucks system? What, what happened? I mean, I don't know if anyone was a good fit in the Canucks system. <laughs> uh, you know, for, for listeners who don't know, at the end of the season, Ethan Bear had a really, really telling interview. And he talked about coming over from Carolina to Vancouver and basically saying that no one knows what they're doing in Vancouver. Like he said, he was shocked. Uh, about how structured it was in Carolina versus how much of it was just kind of every man for himself in Vancouver. So I think a lot of players are put in a bad spot. Uh, for Ekman Larson in particular, 
I mean, he showed some defensive chops in year one in Vancouver. And then, you know, he had that foot injury at the world championships. And I'm not sure if it was an excuse or if it was just another him, another year from being older and slower. But yeah, I, I think he was, you know, on that downward trajectory for a long time in Arizona. Um, I don't think it was necessarily coming to Vancouver and being in a bad system. I think, you know, you look at the underlying numbers, he's been a pretty below average defender for what, four of the past five seasons now. So um, it's a long track record of him not being very good. So, I mean, I, I hope he gets a fresh start, uh, maybe in like a sheltered bottom pairing role. But this guy was playing like a top matchup role and he's just he's just not that player and he never has been. So the buyout frees up some cap space. You talked about the need for that. What do you think the Canucks do with that cap space? And what is sort of the plan for the offseason? Well, that's the golden question, isn't it, Gil? Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, the Canucks right now have a shade under $7 million in cap space. Uh, I mean, they were, they were over the cap, and then the Ekman-Larsen buyout freed up $7.1 million next season. I think they got to spend most of that money on the defense. And in particular, you know, I think you need to spend that money uh, or probably find it in the trade market. Um, but a second-pairing left-shot defender to go alongside Philip Peronik. I think we've seen it from Peronik's past. He's played his best hockey with a defensively responsible left-shot defenseman. Uh, Oli Mata last season was the perfect partner for him. Uh, he started to see Hronik, his um, effectiveness dwindle with Ben Schrott when he was still in Detroit. So, I mean, a player like Ryan Graves, to me, he's he's going to be expensive for sure. Everyone is in free agency, but a player like Ryan Graves, to me, I think would be a perfect fit for the Canucks uh, as a left-shot defenseman. Um, and in terms of the other gaps, I mean, third-line center is a gaping hole in this team. You know, with Bear on the shelf, they need another right-shot defenseman. But I think the Canucks are probably better off taking some flyers on guys in those roles. Because, um, again, even though they bought it up by Larson, they're still up against the cap. They still have, you know, I think they're a top 10 team in terms of cap dollars committed and going into next season. So uh, it's, there's not a ton of wiggle room here. So th those are kind of the three needs for this team. Uh, you know, two top four defensemen and a third line center. Not easy to fill when you got less than $7 million to do so. No. So is there a possibility that someone is still traded away to free up a little more cap space to address some of those needs? I think so. I, I think it makes a ton of sense. And, you know, we talked about it, you know, shout out to the everydayers on Locked On Canucks. We've talked about it quite a few times, but we did an episode about a month and a half ago talking about trading Brock Besser for seven pricey centers. And really the idea of that, uh, that episode was, you know, wingers, their values depressed, but can you trade a top six winger for an expensive third line center? And we tossed around names like Andrew Kopp, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, guys in that mold who are a bit overpaid and underperformed a bit last season. I think that makes the most sense for this team because, you know, a guy, guys like Kopp and Pajot, again, overpaid, but I think they'd slot in really well to the Canucks' third-line center role. Uh, they both got penalty-killing experience. And at the end of the day, the Canucks just have too much cap committed on the wings. So uh, another reason why this buyout made sense, the OEL buyout, is because, you know, everyone knew the Canucks were in a pickle before. It's, it's hard to make a deal when you have, you know, negative cap space, right? So now that they've got some wiggle room, like maybe they can find some values for guys like uh, Besser, Garland, and Beauvillier. Um, you know, personally, I still think trading Beauvillier makes the most sense just because everyone is so cap sensitive right now. Uh, he's got the lowest cap of the three, only one year left in this deal, and he looked really good after coming to Vancouver. But um, yeah, I, we'll see. I, I could see it. That could make a ton of sense, trading a top six winger for a third line center. Is there a plan to implement more of a strategy this year? Uh, uh, you know, you, you talked about the team lacking a system. Is, is there a plan to sort of change that? 
Yeah, and I mean, it did start to change under Tockett. Um, I, I don't want to read too much into it. You know, 34 games of garbage time. Uh, they had the third softest schedule in the league over that stretch. But, you know, there were some signs of it moving in the right direction. And, you know, Ethan Bear kind of said the same in that, uh, you know, telling interview at the end of the season, um, how he thinks the team there. He said, he said in his word, the team's not there yet, but they're getting in the right direction. And he kind of said it's been a lot better since Boudreaux. You can see it, I think. Um, there's more of a commitment to playing defensively. The Canucks don't look as loose out there. Um, I think they are supporting each other on the boards, both in the offensive and defensive zone a bit more. Uh, that being said, I think the personnel is still lacking on this team. You know, going into next season, the team really has three defenders. They have Hughes, Heronik, and Tyler Myers. And I think this team would trade Tyler Myers if there was a market for him. So uh, this defense still needs to be completely redone. Um, so structure is one thing, but you still got to have the guys to play the game. Talking about guys to play the game, the draft is coming up this week. What do you expect the Canucks to do, especially in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's hard not to think of them drafting for positional need. Uh, you know, Alvin can say best player available until he's blue in the face, but it's going to be really hard to pass up a center or a defenseman um, at that 11th slot. Um, but I'm not sure what to expect, Gil. I mean, Alvin kind of threw a curveball this week uh, when he was talking in the media when asked about the 11th overall pick and moving it, but and moving the pick, he didn't talk about moving the pick down in the draft. He talked about moving up the draft. And specifically, he said uh, something along the lines of, you know, Brian Burke once told me you could always move up in the draft. So, you know, he was really teasing his, teasing the market with that one. So I'm not quite sure what to expect. I mean, there could be some blockbuster in the works. Maybe that Columbus pick at three, maybe the Washington pick at eight. Um, but if they do pick at 11, I mean, I, I, I trust some of the, the insiders I talk to in this city. You know, they really like Tom Willander. They really like Nate Danielson. Uh, my personal preference, I'd love to see them take a swing and draft Simashev. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest with the people here uh, on Locked on NHL. Uh, I drafted David Reinbacher when he fell to the Canucks at number 11 when we did our mock draft. I had a bit of buyer's regret, though. I was surprised to see Reinbacher there. Uh, but I do like Simashev better as a prospect. So uh, we'll see what happens. I, I, I do like um, Simashev, Reinbacher, Willander a lot. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, really good talent in terms of forwards too, like Zach Benson, Gabe Pro. Uh, so it's going to be a, a really interesting couple of days here. It's a great time of year, Gil. It's a great time of year. <laughs> yeah. Never a dull moment at the end of June, beginning of July in the NHL. Trevor, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Of course. You can find us wherever you stream podcasts, Locked On Canucks, myself and Kyle Bowen. Uh, you know, he's the he's the real mastermind behind the operation. The show doesn't happen without him, you know, basically because I got two young kids and I got no time to produce the show. So a uh, <laughs> big shout out to him. And of course, you can find us on YouTube. You know, we've we've had some momentum in the last month. So go check out the channel. Some great thumbnails, uh, lots more comments and subscribers. So it's 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 been a fun ride here. And then for myself, you can find me on social media at uh, Trev Beggs, B-E-G-G-S, the last name. All right, Trevor, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for stopping by. Yeah, talk to you again, Gil. After today's show, be sure to check out Locked On's 2023 NHL Mock Draft Special. The local hosts of the Locked On NHL channel have made their picks, and host Gil Martin and Holly Kalakesh break down every selection over a three-day mock draft event. Find the episodes right here on Locked On NHL on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to thank everyone for making Locked on NHL your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow on the show, we continue to prepare you for the 2023 NHL draft. So make sure you join us for wall-to-wall coverage of the draft this week 
on Locked On NHL. want to thank my guest Ann Kimmel from Locked On Predators, Haley Simon of Locked On Blues, and Trevor Beggs of Locked On Canucks for joining me. I'm Gil Martin. I'm here every Monday, and I also co-host the Friday edition of the show along with Rachel Donner. Thanks so much for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast. Stay safe and have a great day, everybody.